0: I'm with Firewind. You're listening to Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Thank you, Gus, Gus G, the rest of the guys. Amen. All right, man.
1: Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with Doctor Fuck and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley, better known as Wadzilla. So enjoy another awesome, incredible episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Bam bam! Bam! Diddly D. Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast! This is the Ayatollah of Alcohol I...
0: Yeah!
1: Ian Wadley.
0: And with me as always is. Yeah! Oh yeah! It's Dr. Fuck! And I'm drinking beer with fucking Ian Wadley, but. Unfortunately, I'm like the high class one. Listen, wait, I, I ain't doing it right. Wait, I can't. Wait, hold on, hold on. Oh fuck, this doesn't do the clanging noise. But anyway, I'm drinking bottle and he's drinking. Uh, yeah. Candy. Baby need a bottle. And we are the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast, and oh boy, Ian, this one's gonna be an exciting episode because we're reviewing a double album. Yes. And it's an amazing album. Oh my God, I love this album. This is uh, Led Zeppelin. What is this, 1974, maybe? Five? 75. 1975, the double album, Epic, and my personal favorite. Also, Robert Plant's favorite album. Uh, Physical Graffiti. Oh, shit.
1: Uh, I thought we were doing the firm, Mean Business.
0: No, that's a single album.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, shit, I'm going to have to wing it.
0: <laughs> All right. Um, I can't tell you how I discovered this album. I'm sure, you know, the first time I heard it was on radio. Um, don't remember buying it, but I have had it as a kid. Um, oh, my God, what a, what a great, great musical journey this album is. A lot of shades, a lot of here and there. Uh, a couple of tunes that I'm not too fond of. But as a whole, uh, it's an amazing piece of fucking rock history. And uh, what's today? Today's Friday. Um, Exactly eight days ago from as we're recording this, I was standing in front of that building that is on the album cover, which is located at 96 and 98 West 8th Street at St. Parks Place in Manhattan. Yes, I went to New York last week and uh my friend who i stayed with asked um uh hey is there anything you want to do here and that was the first thing i said i said dude i want to see the physical graffiti building i want to i want to stand in front of it i want to take pictures in front of it and for those and this will be way in the future for those that are watching this on youtube those are pictures of me standing in front of the building right there and uh oh my god it was so amazing to be there you know and um another little tidbit about this building you're looking at the rolling stones filmed waiting for a friend video on that same step did you know that
1: i did not know that
0: yeah they that's uh if you look at the that video Mick Jagger sitting on those steps waiting for uh keith to come back from his heroin dealer and uh yeah man and this album you know i don't know what it is about this album but it's just, it, it's one of those, like, you know, there's there's only a few albums I can say this about. And I'm too drunk right now, because we just finished a rant, and I, I started drinking on the last episode we recorded on the same night. And, dude, I am down to nine beers now. And uh, That's it? Yeah, I know. To you, it's nothing, man. To me, it's like fucking, this shit's fucking liver damage material. But you gotta remember, I'm not a drinker. I drink that sissy wine shit once a week. Ah, sissy wine. At least, at least you got
1: to see the fucking building where they used for the front of physical graffiti. You know what I went to?
0: What?
1: I, I went to the mountain where they did the cover of Houses of the Holy. It's in Okeechobee, Florida. <laughs> and uh, newsflash, there's no naked kids there.
0: Oh man, I bet.
1: Don't, don't waste your time.
0: Well, uh, at least you didn't go to Lee Gerf- Gersman and hear bitching.
1: No, he went with me, and that dumbass had to fly in from Oakland.
0: You know? Well, that's dedication. Yeah. Nambla should be proud. Anyway, so, uh... Fucking physical graffiti, dude. I mean... I don't know. There's... There's this... You know, and it also... Like... You know, it's one of those rare albums that... You know, when you listen to an album from your childhood, it takes you back. But then, if you listen to it w- way too much in in your adulthood... It kind of takes away that magic you felt as a kid. I don't know about you, but for me it does. Like if I listen to like Double Platinum from Kiss, it doesn't give me the same nostalgic feeling that this does. Because when I listen to this album and I'll get into certain songs, it takes me back to a certain point. And believe me, I think I've listened to this album way more as an adult than as a kid. But I still get that nostalgic feeling listening to this album. And nostalgia is like really cool. You know what I listened to the other week,
1: and I was like, "Oh God, this is gonna take me back." Was the soundtrack to Breaking? I'm not even joking. I used to love that shit, and I was like, "Ugh, this is horrible."
0: You know, you know. Look, and again, you know, I I don't want to sound like all high American shit, but. You know, there's just something about the 70s, dude. I don't know what it is. Like, you know, and again, I can't identify with breaking or electric boogaloo or none of that shit because by that time I tuned out of uh, pop music and I just became strictly a metalhead. And, uh, but the 70s, dude, I mean, you got to remember, like, I remember hearing, you know, Led Zeppelin followed by Elton John, followed by, you know, the Carpenters and and then Nazareth, you know, all in the same radio station. There was something about, there was something so special about that thing where everything wasn't really so, you know, separated as it is today. Cause now you got classic radio, your pop radio, your rap stations and this and that, where I, you know, look, I, I listened to shit from the eighties. Look, I, I, you know what I really liked, and this will sound kind of a, a shocking to some of the people that Listen to the show, when I was uh, already in my 20s, I really enjoyed the album License to Ill by uh, Beastie Boys because of the Fight for Your Right to Party. Man, I listen to that album now. It sounds so fucking dated. Fight for Your Right to Party still sounds cool, but No Sleep Till Brooklyn doesn't give me that same charge. Where, dude, if I listen to, like, you know, fucking Captain Fantastic or Physical Graffiti or, you know, any of that 70s shit that I loved as a little kid I still get that charge you know but maybe that's because I was a little kid but listen to what you just said man listen to break and you were like yo this is terrible I can't say that I can't say that about anything I loved in the 70s there's nothing in the 70s that I loved that uh, I feel like oh this is terrible now and uh, but I can say that about certain things from the 80s you know 70s ruled, man. Everything about the 70s was great. I love the music, the movies. I don't think any movie was made as good. There's been a lot of great movies in the 80s, 90s, and 2000s, and 2010s, but none of them are in my top 10, where, well, maybe Scarface. But Scarface, technically, I would say is a 70s movie because it was filmed in the 70s, wasn't it? Wasn't Scarface 1980? No. Oh, it wasn't? It came
1: out Christmas 83. What? Yeah.
0: All right, then there's the exception, man. That uh, that movie is like still one of my favorites. But everything else, Exorcist, Jaws, Dirty Harry, you know, fucking Deep Throat. I mean, all that shit's like my favorites, man. You know? How you doing, Ian? I'm drunk. Are you gonna pass out on me? No. I like how you say that. No.
1: <laughs> I'm in it to win it.
0: Well, let's let's just keep people like get, let, let people know what's going on. I started drinking at 5 p.m. Well, a little under 5 p.m. Ian's been drinking since when? 11. <laughs> and I'm drunk as fuck. Hello. <laughs> and still, this motherfucker will fucking outdo me. I'll probably pass uh-huh. out and throw up, and he'll be like. Oh shit! You're throwing up. Brown. <laughs> Brown yeah. yeah, like our classic episode. What was the name of that episode? Blackout. Uh, uh that was uh, drunken. Yeah, yeah. drunken, drunken, drunker. Drunken Metal uh, opinions, wasn't it? So yeah,
1: like yeah, and and two guys, one cup.
0: <laughs> Man, was that a brutal episode? Probably the most insane episode we've ever done
1: and we're just starting this one so there's room
0: and if if i recall you started drinking earlier than me that day too
1: <laughs> yep
0: and here i am puking my brains out passing out and you're just like wide awake going hey you there <laughs> you know what dude i should play this I, and i still have it on my phone where the fu- dude the voicemail you sent me i can't delete it because it's so funny and you haven't heard it yet no,
1: I've never heard. Oh, of you got it.
0: You gotta I'm, hear this, dude. It's fucking this. great what you say, cause uh, uh, in the context of this episode, uh, this phone call, this is when I threw up, and I ended up passing out. I don't know what I did, cause it was a blackout after that. But Ian called, and left, and you know, and I didn't pick up the phone, and he left me with this voice message. Let me hold on a second. All right. Oh. All right, hold
1: on.
0: To okay. this message. Right. Message marked for deletion. Yes. Save message. I'm sorry, you're probably trying to it. Oh, wait. No, it's not her either. That's, that's not it. <laughs> all, right, all right, here we go. We message. Error. I'm no, that's not you either. All right. <laughs> message. Hello. That's message. Hey, it's me. Uh calling back or I might be sleeping
1: anyway.
0: Just got the new Metallica. Oh wait. <laughs> <That's> not it <either. laughs> right, hold on. Here we, for we go. Deletion. message. <laughs> <The P. laughs> All right. Here. <laughs> George, George yeah. here we go. message hey brother
1: man i hope you're okay man you're like throwing up and shit on air and, and you said you'd like the elder so i know you're like really fucking gross <laughs> i love you i hope you're okay man please uh don't fucking bounce god on me i love you dude you don't have no worry.
0: take care Thanks. i love that shit It's like, it's like, (laughs) you said you love the other, so I know you're fucked up. (laughs) That's some classic shit right there. So you guys got to hear that episode. If you haven't, oh my God, your life, you're going to die without without missing one of the greatest things to happen in your lifetime. That fucking episode. Uh, I'm not that hammered. I don't plan on ever getting that hammered again. Uh, if you want to find out what happened, listen to the episode after that, and I explain what I did after that, which was e- equally as bizarre as that episode. But, um, mm, uh, yeah, so uh, I don't remember buying it. I do remember owning it, and uh, it's just an, an amazing fucking album. And I'm going to gush all over this shit. I don't know how Ian feels about this album. I do re- uh, I was kind of shocked when I asked him uh, if he wanted to review this, and he said, yeah, the, it, it's the one I listen to the least. And I was like, what? what, what? You know, I was I'm very shocked, Ian. I mean, I would have figured, you know, maybe, I, you know, I'm not saying it would be your favorite album, but, geez, the one that listened to the least? I mean, but yeah. but I, I'm sure you didn't think that out because you you can't tell me you listen into the outdoor more than this one. Uh. I've heard it through The Outdoor more than this one. Really? Yeah. That is shocking to me. So you must yes. not really love it as much as me, but we will find uh, out as we go along. Don't don't spoil it yeah. to people. Okay. The only I spoil my shit. <laughs> okay. And I'm telling you right now, I'm going to gush over this fucking album. This album is just... Oh, my God. It's, it's just like... I don't know what it is about this album. And like I said, I'm a little too drunk to give you an example of other albums that do this for me, but this is an album that takes me places that you know only like those rare albums i mean i can count maybe take me back do do do, do take me back take me back yeah. do, 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 do. you heard that in Kevin's one that's Korn. Kevin <laughs> Kevin Kevin can never do that shit on time
1: <laughs>
0: neither can i <laughs> yeah exactly but um yeah man this album is like almost like it's like kind of like a musical religious experience especially a couple couple tracks on here it's just so oh my god it it just enters my soul and like you know bangs it with you know nice nice amount of lube where it feels very pleasurable and it doesn't burn all right so uh (laughs) you tell me uh how you came to uh this amazing double album, *Physical Graffiti*.
1: I'd never bought this
0: album. Oh, you don't even—you don't even own
1: it. Uh, well, I—I—I uh, uh, I, I, I have a digital copy, and I have all the tracks through the two uh, Led Zeppelin box sets that came out in the early '90s. Ah, uh, yes, yes. There, there was the, the four-disc box set, and then there was a two-disc box set that came out after that that had all the songs that worked on the first one. I have them both. Yep, I, I have those as well. And uh, I never physically bought a copy of Physical Graffiti. Interesting. Uh, and I, you know, uh, call me Timothy B. Schmidt, but I can't tell you why. It could be because it was a double disc and uh, maybe I kept passed on it because of that. Or it could be... Uh, a burnout factor uh, on cashmere. Right. but uh, but uh, I, I never bought it even though I knew all the songs. And listening to it for the for the show today, I think might be maybe only it cu- it could be the first time, if not the second time that I ever listened to it properly as an album like in complete order and uh complete flow but
0: that is crazy dude i mean I, was, I know it's
1: yeah all year of the rock and Roll combat podcast right. This kind of this kind of
0: and and let me ask you uh is this is this the only album that you never purchased from leg's up because of that box up
1: yes this is the only one that i did not own a copy of.
0: oh so you had Van, uh, Led Zeppelin 1 all the way to in through the outdoor uh, original, I mean, uh, full copies.
1: Yes, yes.
0: That is wild, you know. And, uh, to me, man, I mean, god damn, man, this is like...
1: Oh, and I, I never owned um, the live, uh, the original live album.
0: Uh, in through uh Man's thing.
1: Yes. I, I Even though I've seen the movie a lot, I'd never, I never bought the album.
0: Interesting. Well... And that one's a good one, too. I mean, I've given it a lot of shit in the past, but because I don't feel it's as good as, like, uh, How the West Was Won and BBC and stuff like that.
1: Oh, I have those. I bought those. Those are really good, yeah,
0: though. I, I really do feel uh song made the is kind of an off night, but oh, my God, the version of No Quarter on there is so, so epic. And, you know, recently I listened to it. Well, not really recently, like, you know, a few months ago. And I was like, you know what? It's not as bad as I remember it. It's actually pretty damn good. So I think it is I still prefer how the West was Won, but I still I, I feel like it's a decent live album. It's just you know what it is, because it's not up there to the standards of those seventies live albums that I worship. But it's well, it's not bad.
1: Which one's the one with uh, Sea of Love?
0: Uh what?
1: Oh that's the Honey
0: Drippers. Yeah. God damn it drunk. Okay. I got to catch up. All right. Mm.
1: That's what I like. We're going to make a new message tonight.
0: That's right. So uh, we do have some backstories on this album. We'll keep that for the end, right, Ian?
1: Yeah. uh, One thing I'd like to mention that uh, doing a little history on this album, I never knew that uh, uh, just prior to the recording of this, the band was on the verge of breaking up and i never knew that
0: yeah i d- i didn't either uh i just did that not that i thought the band was going to break up with what i read but the whole thing of john paul jones wanted out
1: well right but well, well, what i meant is the breakup of the you know the lineup
0: right know? right you know because john paul jones wanted to become a choir master at Win- or winchester cathedral yeah but uh, Peter Grant told him, you know, you need a break. And three months later, he changed his mind and came back. And boy, physical graffiti without fucking, uh, without, you know, John Paul Jones is ridiculous. You Because know? he's yes. he's very important to this album. Well, he's very important to all Zeppelin albums. But I think on this one he, and, and Into the Outdoors where I think... His talent really shines.
1: Yeah, but I'm not going to hold that against him.
0: Well, oh well. We'll we'll see what you feel about this album. But I know how you feel about it through the outro. Check out that episode. Episode 2, I think. Yes. That's a real early one.
1: One of our best episodes, if I do say so myself. Yeah, I really did enjoy
0: that episode. But uh, yeah, man. uh, Yeah, I was uh, shocked myself that John Paul Jones uh, almost left the band from constant touring. He was just burnt out, you know. But it took a while. How long was it the the gap between House of the Holy and this album? Like two years? Uh yeah, House of the Holy, uh nineteen
1: seventy three, physical graffiti, nineteen seventy five.
0: That's like an eternity in the seventies. No, then, in the seventies,
1: yes, yeah. yes.
0: Back then albums bands were making albums two a year. Like I, I believe the first two Zeppelin albums was nineteen sixty nine, right?
1: Yes. And uh same with uh, Sabbath. And uh, Kiss put out two albums a year till uh, '77 or '78, something like that.
0: Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, it's it's wild, you know, that it took that long. But listening to this album, and, and also we also have to bring up the fact that uh, they were starting the album, but so, I forgot what happened. Some bullshit happened, and then they they turned the studio well, over to bad company. Well,
1: well, well, the shit that happened was John Paul Jones. Uh, initially they said that he he was sick and wasn't feeling good but it's basically he was contemplating quitting but by the time he got his shit together uh, the studio was booked by uh, Bad Company to do their first studio album
0: right. so,
1: so uh, the studio was turned over to Bad Company and then uh, they straightened everything out with John Paul Jones and got down to it.
0: Which is good because if they would have recorded at that time, John Paul Jones wasn't all there and maybe yeah. the song would have been a completely different
1: beast. And uh, another thing I did not know um, was uh, that that so much of this was com- uh, compiled from outtakes that they rejected from other albums. And and basically, what happened was when they started recording it, the songs that they recorded were so long that it went over the length of a regular album. So. Uh, to, 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 you know, but they they believed in those songs so much. They're like, well, let's add these other songs that we didn't use, and we'll just make a double album. I did not know that. I thought they were all written in, uh, you know, in in the recording for this. But uh, the half the album almost was uh, outtakes from previous albums.
0: And that's crazy because most of these songs I consider their greatest songs
1: yeah yeah and and there's there's certain songs that i believe that were left off of previous albums would have sat better on on set out
0: really because i really do like love the flow of this album and i feel like every song belongs to be there especially and, 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 and even the song i would say there's really just one song on here i don't really care for but uh, there's an, there's like two or three other ones that are not up to par with the rest but I still love and the well, song and the song that I don't like on here is is one of the popular ones it's, it's, it's a very it's it's a it's one that's always on the radio actually I really never cared for it even as a kid
1: and I'm excited to to see what that is yeah and, I'll, and
0: I'll, I'll give a little spoiler alert while saying the song I love cashmere so it's not that one Oh,
1: okay. Oh, well, interesting. There it goes.
0: You'd figure it'd be cashmere, but no. I love that one. And I'll tell you, I tell you how much I love it. But it's another one that's a lot on the radio, which is still like you know, oh, which I wonder what it could be because there's several songs on this album well, that are mainstay yeah. on radio.
1: Oh, fuck! Everything's a mainstay on the radio from Zeppelin, except for fucking hot
0: dog. Shit. Unfortunately.
1: So you'd say?
0: Yeah, baby. All right. So you want to get into it? Let's get into this, motherfucker. Go ahead, man. Go. It takes custard
1: pie. All right, the first song, custard pie. Ah, uh, man, what a way to start that. Oh man, that is a uh, that is a great fucking opener, man. Uh I love this shit. It's a dirty song. It's a dirty song, and this is one uh, th- that pays homage, uh, you know, to a lot of blues staples and a lot of. Uh, there's a lot of, like, Zeppelin haters that just claim everything they did, you know, was ripping off old blues artists, man. There's a lot of people hate on some Led Zeppelin. I
0: don't think I don't think Led Zeppelin ripped off one thing on this whole double album. Not one thing.
1: Right, but there are songs, you know, that whether it's musically or lyrically, were based on other songs. But yeah, no, I'm not going to call it a rip-off. I'm just going to say an interpretation, if you will, because, you, you know...
0: Well, I feel like some were ripped off because they didn't give the person credit, but that really is—I think it only goes up to Zeppelin 4, I think. But you know, I mean, you can, you can give everybody the
1: ingredients to make meatloaf, but not everybody's going to make a successful meatloaf.
0: Thank you. That's another thing is I, I hear these original versions. I'm like, well, fucking Zeppelin made it better.
1: Yeah. So, so man, you know. <laughs> exactly. But uh, but custard pie. What a, what a. Dirty little nasty number this is, and, and, and I dig it. But uh, the the thing that kind of gets me is, is the title, custard pie. And you know, it, I don't know. I when I hear custard pie, I just think of a girl with a yeast infection. Oh. It does. It, it doesn't mean just custard. Ugh, I don't know. It just it 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 sounds like some bad pussy. It don't sound like good pussy. Sounds like bad pussy. Uh, and uh, this was never played completely live by Led Zeppelin. Uh, they, they they played a portion of it in an acoustic set in Houston, Texas in 1977, but uh, never played it completely. But, uh, you know, Robert Plant would lift, like, you know, the guitar riff for, for Tall Cool One, you know, that horrible shit. And uh, I think they they did it on the Plant Page Tour and uh, and Jimmy Page did it on his incredible tour uh, with the Black Crows that resulted in a live album. Uh, they they did a version of it on the Live with the Greek album. Uh, I think it's a, it's a great song and a great way to uh, to open up the album. I, I I dig it even though the
0: title kind of turns me off. Oh, that's awesome. I, I kind of like the title. I think it does 50 ounces of song for some reason. I but I agree, it is a great opener. It's a killer well, riff. Hold
1: on, hold on now, hold on. If a chick was like, hey, you want to get all up in this custard pie? Is that sexy?
0: Well, at the same time, I wouldn't bang a big girl called Rosie, but I love that song.
1: Yeah, see, I'd totally do Rosie.
0: <laughs> oh, well, this is um a killer fat, riff. Fat Girls Try Harder. Huh? I said Fat Girls Try Harder. <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, the the way Bon Scott describes their size, that's a little too big for me. I like big girls, don't get me wrong, I do, but, you know, I mean, the Rosie sounds like a little too big. But, uh, yeah, I love Custard Pie, uh, killer riff, uh, made even more killer by the thunderous pounding drumming. And that, that, You know, John Bonham was just so fucking, not overrated at all, perfectly rated, actually. What he would do with that thunderous drumming, it was like, he was always in the pocket, and he always added to it, and it was like, and those cool-ass effects, brittle guitar solo shines on this track. The spotlight to this gem of the track, if you ask me. And then plants vocals, it's nothing to overlook here, and that harmonica in this song is very reminiscent to uh, when, As the Levee Breaks, or When the Levee Breaks. Just a straightforward song that I don't know. I gotta listen to it again. Now I can't remember. I mean, do they change the riff at all? It's like it sounds like na 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 from the beginning to end. I think I don't know, but uh, it drives this song into classic rock history. I fucking love this song. All right, next one, the Rover. One of my favorite Led Zeppelin tracks ever. Such a snotty riff and just. Incredible this incredible production like Jimmy Page is criminally underrated as a producer the sound on this as well as all the other albums he produced for zeppelin are some of the greatest rock albums ever laid on tape his stamp all over this song and album this is a peak this is the peak for me a well thought out song that hits the bullseye every second of this song is a sonic orgasm I think it's just
1: fucking perfect. I love the rover. What do you think? Uh, amazing. Uh, tied for my third favorite song on the album. Uh, now this is one that was supposed to be on Houses of the Holy. Wow. And I think it would have fit perfect on Houses of the Holy, which, yeah. which, 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 by the way, spoiler alert: Houses of the Holy is my favorite uh, Led Zeppelin album. Love it. Uh, and, and I, I think this would have this would have fit perfectly on that album not that it doesn't fit here but I, I, I think sonically it's it's very much in tune with stuff like you know over the hills and far away you know and, 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 and all the other amazing great tracks on that album uh, you know and it had that same spirit but I mean it's just as good here again never played live in its entirety but they would play the introduction to this right before going into sick again uh, but didn't play it on its own although there is a bootleg of them playing this in a sound check uh, for uh, a a show in Chicago on the House of the Holy Tour wow yeah but it was originally meant to be an acoustic piece that ended up changing and became what it was I mean it's so much better with that that heavy guitar riff you know the electric guitar riff.
0: yeah i don't think this would sound yeah. that good acoustically
1: actually but then again i may be wrong right right yeah i mean you, you never know without hearing it you know but uh but uh yeah this is absolutely fucking amazing uh but like i said th- you know this this is one this was a leftover and man h- how good is this for a love this is like having prime rib as a fucking leftover.
0: Yeah, I know you'll disagree with me, and this is another spoiler alert. Boy, I'll take this over to that lame-ass James Brown fucking uh, tribute on, on House of the
1: Holy. That's for sure. Oh, I, I like it better than The Grudge, too. I, I don't mean, like The
0: crime. I, that's one song that I, I would say is like one of the worst of
1: that song. Uh, I, 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 Well, definitely I like it better than you, but uh, I, yeah, this song is way better than that. But I mean, it just... To me, it, it has that, that sound of, of Houses of the Holy, you know. Um, so I, I could totally see it on... You know, makes a lot of sense seeing it now. But uh, then we go into My Time of Dying, which is... Uh, this is another one that is a... You know, like Zeppelin did their version. This is an old blues song from... Uh, uh, a, a guy credited as a street musician from here in New Orleans... Wow. Uh, but the first recorded version was recorded in Dallas, Texas, uh, 1927. Damn. I, I always it,
0: thought this was an original.
1: Well, it, it, it's it's one of those. It's almost considered like a standard, and and, and I think that might be like uh, musically, but uh, it, it's it's been called in my time of dying. It's also called uh, Jesus, make up my dying bed. Uh, and it was a, a gospel number oh. and, and many many blues and gospel musicians have done versions Bob Dylan did a version on on his uh, debut album I mean of course of course we're talking different lyrics different interpretations uh John Sebastian from love and spoonful and uh, the welcome back Cotter theme he did a version called mm-hmm. well 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 uh, you know and then of course Zeppelin has their, in my time of dying, uh, that to me is an absolute fucking epic, uh, a perfect song. It's the, uh, the longest song on the album, and I think it's a, the longest, uh, studio track that Zeppelin ever did.
0: No, man, it's not longer than
1: Carousel Amber, is it? Uh, let me check real quick. Uh, this, this is, uh, 11 minutes and 8 seconds, and Carousel um, Baba Dubba is 10 minutes and 34 seconds. Wow, yes.
0: I always thought, man, that's weird, dude. That's yeah, tough. but that's because that song sucks. It seems no, like it goes no. on forever. Yeah,
1: well, uh, yeah. uh, we'd agree to disagree. Yeah, well, but right. I, on this, I don't think there is one wasted uh, second. Uh, I, 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 this never feels like an eleven-minute song to me, cause it just fits so fucking perfect. And uh, oh my God, uh, you know what's that? Oh my Jesus! Oh, oh my, my Jesus! Jesus! And then when it, when it kicks back into, oh my God, uh... oh, when it comes back in, that is like the fucking best ever. Uh, no, yeah, not a wasted second. It, on it
0: just makes you realize. No wonder Rolling Stone magazine hated shit like this. It's just so yeah. good.
1: Yeah. Uh, absolutely love In My Time Of Dying, a absolute Led Zeppelin classic.
0: Dude, that slide guitar with the vocals. Just hits this fucking nerve with me, man. You know, this is a glowing example why they are considered the gods they are. 11 minutes with nothing to keep me uninterested. Nothing. From the slow blues to the pounding bridge to that erratic riff where the whole band comes in. It just takes it to a new level. It's an amazing fucking song. Did you ever hear Pride and Glory do this?
1: Uh, I believe so. I believe so. Yeah,
0: you know, they, they pretty much keep it as it is. But it's it's great. Their cover is great. But man, it is such a great fucking song. I love In My Time, a Dying. And that ends side one already. Already.
1: Yeah? Well, that's a long song. And we're, we're talking vinyl.
0: Yeah, vinyl, yeah. And that's how I'm used to this album, you know, vinyl. Uh, yeah, of course, I've heard it on CD and my iPod. But dude, I play this shit on vinyl all the time. All the time. And I bought that deluxe box set, you know. sounds very nice Nice. um all right i'll I'll flip it over to houses of the holy was this supposed to be on houses of the holy yes sir it was oh see i'm learning something about this shit i didn't know none of this yes um this one's like a good time song in the vein of dancing days i think kind of got that vibe catchy and just fun as fuck. absolutely nothing wrong with this song Bringing a different shade to this double album so far, I love this one more than the the whole you know the whole band comes in and takes. Oh, wait, hold on. Um, I love this one more than uh, Jimmy Page likes underage chicks. Ah,
1: I see what you are doing there. Uh, yeah, I I love this one again. Like, I think this would have fit perfect. Uh, you know fuck it. They should have made House of the Holy a fucking double album. Uh, Because this would have fit great there. Uh, Lyrically, the song refers to sacred places where young adults have their sexual rites of passages. No way. Uh, Yeah, like movie theaters and drive-ins and And, concert halls. And mountains. And a hilltop. And, you know, they're talking about, you know, let me take you to the movies. Let me take you to the show. Let me be yours ever truly, you know. Uh... Let me wander in your garden and, and uh, seeds of love I will sow. Uh, basically, talk about places where teenagers go and fuck. And and how cool is that? Uh, you know, because teenagers need to fuck. You know. Yeah, just I know. know I did. Just, yeah, yeah, just you know, no know, know where your clinics at. Some things never change, huh? That's right. Uh, this song, unfortunately, was never played live by Led Zeppelin. Uh, Robert Plant did play it with his band of joy and Jimmy Page played it with uh, the Black Crows they tested it out for uh, during rehearsals for the for the 2000 tour but it was dropped before the tour began
0: Interesting. all right and then uh, take the next track uh, trampled underfoot
1: all right trampled underfoot now this is a song written specifically for this album and uh, uh, once again, uh, you know, Puritans will claim this as being a ripoff of uh, Robert Johnson's Terraplane Blues. And uh, a Terraplane was a car, and uh, the original song used, you know, car parts and metaphors for sex, like pump your gas and rev all night. But uh, the, the actual two songs have different... Uh, really interpretations where Robert Johnson's song was about, uh, you know, infidelity and cheating on somebody. Trampled Underfoot is about giving in to sexual temptation. And this involved out of a jam session uh, between Robert Plant, Jimmy Page, and John Paul Jones in 1972. Uh, but it wasn't, you know, they just kept working on it. It wasn't set up for another album. And... Uh, John Paul Jones is credited Stevie Wonder with being the inspiration for the beat and how he was uh, inspired by the classic song Superstition, uh, which Stevie Wonder played on, on the Clavinet, and that's what John Paul Jones plays on this. And uh, where you you know, don't care for their own James Brown with the grunge, I think they successfully uh, show off their funky side on this particular track. And uh something I did not know until doing uh excuse me, some studies for this. This was the only single off of uh Physical Graffiti.
0: Yes, I saw that today.
1: You, you know, you would you would think like Cashmere was a single, you know, but this was the only actual single. Uh the B-side was Black Country Woman and uh yeah, that, that really surprised me. There is a, uh, on the Luxe Edition, they have a, a, a different version of this entitled Brandy and Coke. Uh, but as everybody knows, this shit is trampled underfoot. And I love the swagger of this. Uh, you know, it, it, the funky stomp of it. And uh, I dig me some trampled underfoot. What do you think?
0: I hate this song.
1: <coughs> oh, wow, you just don't like black people. Uh, <laughs> what the fuck?
0: <laughs>
1: well, whenever they try to go black,
0: you, you you hit back. No, that's not true. This ain't the only time they went black. I love a lot of their stuff, man. That's black. Uh, I never like this. It annoys me, man. I can never get into the song. I always skip this one and change the station if it ever comes on. I know it's a fan favorite but but not this fan i never liked this song this is the one blemish on this incredible album i'm sorry but you know I, I i never ever liked this song it, it annoys me it just annoys me i know it's it's not it's, it's very unpopular for me to say but you know <clears throat> maybe it's my lack of pussy. but
1: uh, I, I think you just think songs like this should be kept in their place
0: No, I just don't like this song. I I really don't. I feel like, I don't know, man. Talk about love. It's just, it annoys me. It's just something about this thing. It just grates on me, man. And boy, man, if I wasn't a Led Zeppelin fan and didn't know nothing about him, and this was the only single of the album, I'd be missing out. But uh, yeah, I don't like it. All right, let's go to the perfect song which is next, Cashmere, the one that ends side one with class. Every note, every lyric, every drum beat, it is an epic that deserves the respect it has. My cousin who's not into rock at all, loves this song. It explores areas where no band has gone before, if you ask me, a rock band. That's right, Zeppelin haters. Try and tell me if they ripped this off. The Middle Eastern vibe meets hard rock just blends so well. And many bands ripped this off, actually. You know, Judgment Day by Whitesnake comes to mind. You know, um, uh, Touch of Evil by Judas Priest. It's got this uh, vibe to it. I never tire of this song, dude, ever. It's just, it's got this sound and this vibe that just hits me, man. I think it's just perfection. I love Cashmere, what do you think?
1: Uh, well, I hate to break it to you, but there, there, there is accusations of this song being ripped off too. Holy fuck.
0: Uh, uh
1: there, there was a, a, song, uh, from the sixties in India called, uh, the bathroom is for paying customers only. And, uh, and, and supposedly they took the riff off of that, but, uh, I, I truly feel they made it their own. And, uh, I, I dig this song. Uh, But I am burned out on it And this is the only song uh, Today While I was listening to the album I made it about three quarters of the way And I I, I skipped to the next song Because I mean I know this song Like the back of my hand I I was trying to just get to like Okay I was trying to get through it So we could start recording Because we did three and a half episodes today So I was trying to get the party started But uh I mean, yeah, it, it, it is awesome, uh, and unfortunately, this song has been sampled a couple of times. And this is what I didn't know about: it was sampled by Schoolie D in 1988 on a song called Signifying rapper that was used in the awesome 1992 Harvey Keitel movie Bad Lieutenant. And in '94, Page and Plant sued HBO to have the song removed uh from when they show it on HBO and also uh, any unsold copies that were on VHS were supposed to be destroyed so I had no idea about that and uh, it, it makes me like I have Bad Lieutenant on DVD and now I gotta rewatch it to see if the song's in there
0: and I, then I love that movie
1: oh I love Bad Lieutenant um uh, and then, of course, there was the absolute horrible, horrible fucking P. Diddy song, Come With Me, from uh, from the Godzilla movie in 1998. And to make matters worse, not only did Jimmy Page give his blessing, but he played with Puff Daddy on Saturday Night Live uh, doing this song. And that is... Uh, wow and that, it, it
0: appeared in the video too
1: yeah and that is just uh that is it is so so sad i you know i i kind of get what jimmy page was probably going for knowing him he was hoping that it might turn on you know the hip-hop crowd or a new generation uh, you know to the music of led zeppelin and, and I mean it, it's his music so if he wants to do it that's on him but I think it was a horrible move and there's been so many cases in history where Led Zeppelin has stopped their music from being used but yet this is the one you say okay I guess they wanted to get some more of that trampled under feet grudge money I don't know wow but uh you know that shit don't float where fucking Ralph comes from I'll you hey, hey, that yeah uh and another interesting fact about this song, and you know, I mean, kids of the eighties and, you know, just people who know good movies in general, know the classic fast times at Ridgemont High. And there's the part in there where uh, where Damone says to Ratner, you know, you know, if you're ever gonna make out with a chick whenever possible, put on side one of Led Zeppelin four. And, and, then the, and then they go to, to Ratner in the car with uh, Jennifer Jason Lee and he's playing cashmere right. and, and I always took it as he was such a fuck up and so stupid
0: <laughs> you,
1: you know that he put in the wrong tape or right. you know like he didn't have Led Zeppelin for I thought it was a total goof to make him look that much stupid that is not the case Led Zeppelin Refused to allow any song from Led Zeppelin 4 to be used in the movie. Oh, so th- so they just picked Cashmere instead. And, and in hindsight, I think it works even better for the movie because I, I think it's even funnier that it's not what, you know, this character is supposed to be a loser, you know, like, like he, all his decisions are wrong so I think in hindsight it was better for the movie but I never knew it was because Jimmy Page said no only Puff Daddy can use my move, my music in a Godzilla movie <laughs> yeah you
0: know
1: no. not, not, not this classic teenage comedy that will live on in infamy forever
0: yeah no a, a stupid Puff Daddy song to a stupid Godzilla right. movie that doesn't live
1: either but then again you know Jimmy Page also did The firm, so there's no accounting for taste
0: well you know I like, uh, I like some of that
1: firm shit. Yeah. Some, some. Oh, God. All right. Well, then, that's the end of album one, or side two, if you will. And then we put that record back in the first half, and we take out another one. And we come to In the Light. In the Light. Okay. Um... Uh, this is a favorite of Jimmy Page as a matter of fact Jimmy Page says this is his favorite song on Physical Graffiti Wow. yes and uh, Robert Plant said this was Zeppelin at their finest moment and wanted to play this live but uh, John Paul Jones said there's no way he could recreate what he did in the studio live so uh, he vetoed the, uh, the idea because he's like, if I can't do it perfect we're not going to do it you know. and Plant wasn't too happy about that uh, Jimmy Page did perform this with the Black Crows on their tour but it's only available on the Japanese version, I do not have that there's two extra songs on the Japanese version and uh, this is one of them, I don't have that so I never heard it this is, without a doubt, my least favorite song on the album. Uh, to me, it's kind of, like, all over the place. I, I, You know, the beginning's kind of cool and eerie, but then, it, you know, it just goes all over the place, and at that, the end of it is the worst thing. In the light, in the light. Oh, God, I fucking, uh, that, how you feel about Trampled Underfoot and The Grudge is how I feel about this fucking song. To me, this is a total fucking peanut-filled turd. I mean, is it as bad as Hot Dog? Hell no. But uh, but yeah, this to me, this is the stinker on this album. And, and I pat myself on the back uh, for even making it through the whole thing. But I was like, you know, I was hoping maybe my opinion would change. But this is one I've always, always skipped. And I thought, well, you know. I put on headphones for this album, too. The, You know, the other albums we were getting ready to review, I just played over my stereo. This one, I was like, man, this is a headphone album, and I'm drinking, and uh, this is still a swing and a miss for me. Not a fan of In The Light. What do you think, Ralph?
0: Wow, you hate white people.
1: I do. They fuck everything up. I mean, yeah. if you think about it.
0: Well, I actually think this is one of the better songs on the album. One of the best Uh-oh. ones. It's an amazing head trip with that intro and those sounds, John Paul Jones recorded. It's like an out-of-body experience to me, man. It's total zen, man. It's like zen Zeppelin.
1: No, I I bet it's like shopping for towels at Bed Bath & Beyond, you fucking honky.
0: Ugh, yeah. Oh, go pick cotton. Yowza! Going into that spacey vocal melody is a nice bridge to that opening to the mid-tempo masterpiece that this song is. The verses are hypnotic, the changes are melodic riffs to back to that spacey intro melds so perfectly to me. Then back to what we heard before, repeat halfway through to start in the second part of the song, just so masterful and pure ear candy. This is one of the several of the highlights on this album. And, you know, I mean, this is an album that I can't tell you what my favorite track is. I really can't. Because there's some coming up that I feel just as good. It's like, you know, this is like tied for number one. Ooh. Yeah, I love it. All right. The next one is called Bon Art. What is it called? Bon Yar? I, I,
1: I could I could guess, but I'm, probably, I'm thinking it's Bron Wire.
0: All right on a dreamy acoustic piece that just takes me to a place where I feel all warm and fuzzy and shit. The effects to the sound of the acoustics on this is nothing short of fucking awesome. Jimmy Page is a musical genius and he stamples, he fucking he staples it all over, he puts a stamp on it you know? I love this fucking song. Just like, I, I get the same feeling with Laguna Sunrise from Tony Almi. It's just a, a musical instrumental piece that's just perfect. And I'm so happy it doesn't have vocals on it. I think it belongs this way. It's just that whole gu- acoustic guitar orgy intertwining with itself. and Oh my God. I fucking adore this song. This is a great fucking song. What do you think?
1: Uh, well, this is another one that is a leftover. Yeah this uh, and it may as soon as i tell you where it's from it's going to make total sense this is a leftover from led zeppelin 3.
0: i was about to say that yeah
1: and, and, and again it would have fit perfect on that album and it fits perfect here well, but, yeah, let me know,
0: ask you a question because i took notes for this and there's a, a song in the future that said man this would have fit perfect on side two of zeppelin three is there another song on here that it was supposed to be on zeppelin three
1: uh, let me check real quick. I, I believed it. Uh, no, this is the only song from wow, Led Zeppelin. Wow,
0: because there's something coming up that, to me, even sounds more Zeppelin 3 than this.
1: Yeah. No, this is the only this is the only leftover from Led Zeppelin 3. And you can tell, uh, you know, this, this is another one where Jimmy Page is being uh, uh, accused of plagiarism. Because uh, you can tell he's definitely borrowing from his favorite guitar player, who is Tony Iommi. <laughs> and and uh, I, I love this, you know, the first time when it was called Laguna Sunrise. And I liked it even better the second time when it was called Fluff. And I love it now. And I, I'm, I'm just kidding. But I, I can see Tony Iommi playing this, and, and I think he's just as capable to do something. is beautiful. Even, even though this is Jimmy Page through and through. Um you know this is kind of you know it's kind of shows you that that Tony and Jimmy even though they're very different in some ways they're a lot alike in others and and when they can they can they can be as heavy as heavy but they can also be as beautiful as this and uh, this is an amazing song and you're absolutely right I'm glad it's an instrumental um because it's so beautiful and perfect in and of itself it, it doesn't even need lyrics it's the perfect length it, it it doesn't go on too long but at the same time it could it, it could have went on for another 10 minutes and I, I would I, 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 I wouldn't I wouldn't complained yeah
0: if there's anything to complain is that it's too short
1: right and it's not
0: even that short what is it like two and a half minutes or three minutes or something
1: it's like two minutes and seven seconds
0: yeah you know I could have I could have dealt with it going on a little longer I mean even if they even if it was gonna redo it and, and just write and, and just do the same fucking thing over again two more times, I'd be fine with it. I just love, love it, man. What a great instrument. Yes.
1: Beautiful, beautiful song. Alright, then we get to the next one, which is another outtake. And that is Down by the Seaside. And uh, this was originally uh, demoed for Led Zeppelin 4. Wow. And... I can kind of see this one on Zeppelin 4. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's an absolute beautiful song. This is one. Uh, you know, there, there's certain songs you'll never forget the first time you heard them, and I'll never forget the first time I heard this was when I bought the uh, the companion piece to the to the original Led Zeppelin box set because, like I said, I never had a copy of Physical Graffiti, and I heard this, and I was like wow, I'd never heard it on the radio. I still don't think I've ever heard it on the radio. Um, but it was such a beautiful song and so different from them. But, you know, at the same time, you know, it sounds like Zeppelin, but yet it's just a different side of Zeppelin. Right. And and uh, and just so, so, like, gorgeous and different. I love the effects on, on uh, Jimmy's guitar, which makes it sound... Like you're by the seaside like something's underwater but then when it goes to the tempo change oh and it it starts picking up like whoa how where the fuck did that come from and it's so good and so heavy and just when you're like wow where the fuck is it going from here and then as soon as it got heavy BAM it goes right back to "Uh uh-huh you know and just mellows out again it is absolutely gorgeous how they had the forethought to take it from what it was to that that, that heavy you know you can you can't really call it a breakdown but like you know just a a heavy section and then to totally drop back to the mellowness without blinking an eye or losing a step is pure pure genius wow. and it, it, this is truly an album track because you never hear really anybody talk about this song uh, Robert Plant would later record a duet with Tori Amos uh, a cover of this for the Led Zeppelin tribute album uh, In in Commune or In cameraman, I don't know how to fuck pronounce it but uh, I mean I knew the song before that but that's the only really other reference I've ever heard to the song or you know you just don't hear many people talk about it and one of the rare Zeppelin songs I've never heard on the radio absolutely love it never played live and it, it's easy to see why uh, but uh, man if I wish Page of Plant would have ripped this one out that would have been incredible what do you think Ralph?
0: oh my god this fucking song dude and yeah the, that change that happens it's like so different yet it, it fits so perfectly but it fits perfectly in a surprising way it's like what the hell? but it, 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 it still doesn't diminish the song. I think the song, like, you know, it's dreamy the way it starts. And, you know, this is another highlight for me on the album. It's just a beautiful orchestrated mellow tune with amazing vocals and vocal melodies. And I adore this song a little too much, actually. And and if this song, you know, was a person, I, I would have, I would have, uh, it, you know, it, I'm sorry I'm drunk if, <laughs> if this song was a person it would have to take a restraining order out on me that's how much I love it I would stalk this song this song is like oh my god do I love this fucking song it is just so good and I can imagine how you must have felt buying what you know wh- what looks like oh look the leftovers from the box right you know the, right. the downgrades, which some of those songs are, on those. You know, you had your. I think the crunch was on there, and some a couple other things. You know, some of those lame coda tracks, but man, this song is one of their greatest songs ever, and yeah, and it's so different and. And 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 a great again a great example of how amazing this fucking band was, how they can like write a song like this that really sounds like nothing they've done before. And um, even though, yeah, I can see it on Zeppelin 4, but it really doesn't sound like anything on Zeppelin 4. I, I love the hell out of this song. And, yeah. sp- and speaking about loving the hell out of a song, oh my God, the next track. I don't know where to start with this one. Ten years gone. You know, Jimmy Page comes out with this hypnotic riff with the genius production skills to take it to... The highs of all highs. And Robert vocals on on Ten Years Gone takes it even higher to the highest mountain on planet awesome. And what Jimmy does on that solo is so fucking breathtaking. It's one of the best emotionally driven solos ever. You know, up there we're comfortably numb. Yet, another outstanding highlight on this fan-fucking-tastic album. 10 years gone is amazing. And I don't know if you know this, but when they released that box set, this was the video that Led uh, Zeppelin would show all the time for that, you know, to promote the box set. It was this in that, um, oh, what was the name of that studio track? Hey,
1: hey, hey what can I do?
0: No. Um, the one that was never released, because, hey, what can I do with a B-side? But this one, it's like, it's I think it's a cover. You remember that video it was like in a swamp. Goddamn, listening to that song. Great song too. Uh, 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 while the juice runs down my leg, squeeze my lemon. Lemon song. No, it wasn't a lemon song either, man. Well, that's that's a squeeze of well, the squeeze lemon. Well, he said he says it in that song as well, though. If you squeeze my lemon till the juice runs down your leg, he says uh, that in that song. Radio uh, oh, Act. traveling, traveling Riverside Blues. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, those were like the two things, and it was appropriate because the box that came out in 1990, and up and broke up in 80, so it's 10 years gone. See what I mean? Yeah. But, uh, oh my God, I love. Absolutely. Another highlight, yeah, like I was telling you, there's several on this album that's like tied for number one. 10 years gone, Down by the Seaside, in the light for me so far. Uh, let me look at the last track. Listen, man, yeah, there's another one that's, I think, up there as well. Uh, but
1: oh my God, I love 10 Years Gone. What do you think? Uh, well, this is where Led Zeppelin steps to the stage, unzips its pants, and whips out a fucking cock the size of a Led Zeppelin. Okay. This is hands down, uh, the best song on the album. Bar none. Didn't you say another one
0: earlier was your favorite?
1: Uh, oh, I guess so. No, I said one was tied for my third favorite. Oh, okay. This, 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 this the, There's no competition on this album for this song. No competition at all. This, this is miles and miles ahead of everything else. Uh, c- could be, you know, possibly the best Zeppelin song ever. Just so amazing. And what's crazy is originally it was intended to be an instrumental. And, uh, oh my God, Jimmy Page used 14 guitar tracks... Uh, to overdub the Harmony section. Wow. And it was only later that Robert Plant wrote these amazing lyrics about an old girlfriend who basically dropped the gauntlet on him. Like, it's either me or it's music. And he's like, see ya! You know? But, uh, you know, looking back on, uh, you know, it was a woman that he cared about. And... I, I t- this is one I was I was looking forward to and dreading at the same time because this is a, this is a hard song to listen. I mean, if you if you ever I mean, if you if you listen to this song and it doesn't like take something out of you, then you never truly been in love. If you, if you don't feel something when you hear this, like musically and lyrically, you know, you're just a a cold motherfucker because this is. Such an emotional fucking track, uh, man. I mean, th- this is what music is all about to me because th- this makes just makes you feel, and that that's what any great song should do. Whether it's it's joy or or sadness or you know lament for a lost love or so, you know, just most importantly, you should feel something. And every time I hear this, I I, I feel beauty and pain uh you know you know all together with this hypnotic riff and this 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 sad crying guitar i mean it's just i mean to me it's really guitar is crying fuck you know i love gently weep shit but th- this to me is the sound of a guitar just like crying and breaking down it's absolutely gorgeous um man uh, I think they they played this uh, originally like in a in a medley, you know, and and this does not deserve that. It deserves the full treatment. And uh, Page and Plant did it once, only once during a Japanese tour.
0: No, no, no. But wait, wait. This this song was played in its entirety because it's on the DVD box set. Yeah. Uh, it is. I own it. I know it. You know, it was the. The video. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. It's,
1: it's, it says it was originally played in
0: medley, medley, a okay.
1: okay. medley. And okay. Uh,
0: I believe the footage of them playing in its entirety was into the uh, outdoor tour.
1: Yeah, yes, yeah, I'm sorry, yeah, correct. Yeah, in Nebworth, August 4th, 79. Yes,
0: they played
1: in its entirety. Yeah, uh, and uh, and there's an amazing version uh, of this on the uh, the album that Jimmy Page did with the Black Crows. And what I love—I mean, I mean—I know you don't like the Black Crows, but what's so amazing about that album he did with them is you hear you hear these Zeppelin songs in a live uh, setting that really does justice to the the studio because there was three guitar players, and and there's so many different tracks on this. And Jimmy Page said. Uh, when he did this song with the Black crows he said all of a sudden I heard all the guitar parts that I haven't I've never heard apart from the record you know he said I can never do that with Led Zeppelin because it's just me and he said it was fantastic to play this with two other guitarists and just you know cover the epic scope of the song and uh, and, and I, I I attest that for that whole album because really I mean Zeppelin is so overdubbed. And it's perfect, but, I mean, to to reproduce it live is almost impossible with one guitar player, even if you're Jimmy Page, who was notoriously sloppy live. Uh, you know, but to get that full sound, you, you need all those guitars. Uh, I, I, I could go on for hours about this song and still never uh, fully convey how much it means to me. Uh, far and away, the best song on the album.
0: Love it. Uh, next one's called Night Flight. Um, my God, a, a, a deep track that sounds like it could have been an amazing huge hit. I wouldn't put it up there as one of the, you know, tie for one of the, be- the the best song on the album. But this is a great fucking track, start to finish, almost commercial. And I love what Bonham is doing on this one. And the organ playing along adds this color to the song, so appealing to me. Just a powerful piece of music, amazing song that, it, it is, I mean, it is kind of shocking to me, how this is not like on the radio like Black Dog and you know, Trampled Underfoot and shit like that because it has all the elements of classic rock and, and just a great vibe and it, it's just a beautiful, heavy, it's like a heavy, but kind of commercial type song. Um, and it's a very deep track. I own this really cool Led Zeppelin concert on uh, on CD that they play this song during the sound check, and that sound check when they're playing this because it's a soundboard or something sounds so good. And it, I don't know if they ever did play this live, but them playing it live on a sound check sounded oh man like another like a like very. There's a lot of life in this song. I, f- I feel this song like breathes and, you know, it's, it's like a living thing, you know? I love Nightfly. like what do you think?
1: Oh yeah, it, it's absolutely amazing. Uh, I, I, I fucking love it. Uh, you said you wouldn't see it tied as, you know, like a favorite, but to me, this is the one that's tied uh, with uh, what's on the Rover is my third favorite song. Uh, absolutely adored. I can't remember what song we were talking about previously, but that was the same show uh, when they played it in the soundcheck. Uh, the same Chicago show from 1973 where, the, where they played... Uh, well,
0: that, uh, that, that may be the one I have. I mean, I have a Zeppelin CD that I actually bought, you know, like at, at a, or one of those independent record stores that sold bootleg CDs that were made by the company. Right. And, uh, yeah, when I saw Nice Light on it, I bought that CD because of that. I was like, oh, shit, they played this live? But it turned out it was a sound check. But it sounds great. It sounds amazing. It sounds just as good as a live recording. It's like a live recording without the audience, you know?
1: Right. And uh, this is another one that was an outtake. Wow. This, this was an outtake from Led Zeppelin IV.
0: Jeez
1: and, uh, and uh, it, it's it's a little bit vague lyrically but uh, a lot of points lead to it, it's a song about a guy evading the draft and it just wants to get away you know uh, you know and telling his his lover to meet me we're gonna run away because I ain't going to fucking war wow. and uh, absolutely love it. beautiful beautiful song yeah. and you know
0: and it uh, rocks it's a rocking song. oh yeah too. it rocks.
1: It's and, beautiful, uh, but rocks. And it does, even even though, you know, hey, maybe I can see it on Zeppelin 4, it fits in perfect here, you know, as as the opener to the final side. And then we go into what is my second favorite song on this album. Holy fucking shit, the Wanton song.
0: Oh, wait, wait, didn't you skip Boogie With Scoop?
1: Nope, that's next.
0: Oh, okay, go ahead.
1: Yep, yeah, the Wanton song. Oh my God, that riff! That one—that is one of the most amazing riffs ever. It's—it's—it's it's, it's right there with uh, like Superdot, as far as like, holy shit, where did this riff come from? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Uh, it was played live uh, a little bit in 1975, but then was later dropped. And I don't know why.
0: And let me that, let me tell you, when I saw Page Plant, they opened with the song.
1: Yes, it, it was. Uh, this is what they usually open with on both tours. Wow. Uh, yeah, amazing. And there's also a cool version. Uh, you can find it on YouTube. Uh, this is not on the uh, on the black on the live album with the Black Crows, but they went on the Tonight Show to promote the album, and they played this song. And it was—it's a really cool look. Look that up on YouTube once, or Jimmy Page Black Crows Tonight Show, and uh, and a really good, really good version. It's just it, thats one of those riffs from the gods. I mean, it's just, yeah, ho- holy shit. And that uh, part
0: where the where it
1: goes, yeah, so and cool. It, and uh, and what I love is it's, uh, you know, I I you know it's just a fucking sex song. And uh, and it's about a wanton woman. You know, a woman just wants some fucking dick and leads up, I'm going to give it to her. Absolute classic. Uh, and uh, I, I know you hate this band, but uh, uh, Rage Against the Machine's Tom Morello said that the wanton song was a major influence for his riff on uh, Vietnam. Vietnam. So, and, and you can kind of, if you know, I don't know if you know the song, probably not because you hate the band, but you can totally see where he got it from. But uh, there's no, uh, you know, it's not even close. This is just one of the riffs to ends all riff Like I said, right there with uh, Super Knot is one of the greatest riffs of all time.
0: It is like the heaviest song on this side And it's such a snotty killer riff. like da-da-da-da-da. And then. Fucking bottom filling in the blanks with that incredible drumming. You know, it's another highlight of uh, a few tasty changes. I love that. It keeps me interested from the first, second to the last. But I do have one negative thing to say about this song. What? Yeah, I do. Uh, you just told me it would influence a fucking Rage Against the Machine song. Oh, but, okay. uh, fuck that part. But uh, everything else about this song is so fucking badass. And it's one of the greatest videos I've ever made, if you ever see. Uh, dude, you'll be shocked when you watch this video I made for this song. You'd swear they're playing it live. I've never seen it. So uh, i have to check that yeah, out. Yeah, because YouTube banned it. But it is somewhere online. But I can't tell you what it is in case we have some fucking pussy uh, ass narcs listening to us. Oh, no, you know, we got those that'll tell us, so I'll send you a link. And dude, you gotta watch this video I made. When you watch it, you'll you'll think it's actually them performing it. I even got like where, you know, where John Bonner was a dan da and that little drum break where he goes, You know, he does that little thing like, just for a second in the song, where everywhere else in the song is like, da 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 it looks like he's doing that shit, I don't know. Probably one one of his drum solos, but yeah. And Plant's so, singing it, everything looks perfect on the video.
1: So so y- you got it on YouTube, but it's under a secret name so it won't get banned?
0: No, it's not on YouTube. Uh YouTube is oh. very YouTube is very smart. Uh you can you can put it on YouTube under a secret name and they'll still ban it. Really? Yeah, I have oh. it I have it somewhere else. And and, and and I'll tell you this too. I have it somewhere else where it's not even under a secret name, it's actually the acronym. I have it under the acronym because that that place where right, I I uploaded all up that Zeppelin videos there, and it, it ended up getting banned way later. But it's been up there for like a few years now, so I think I got away with it there. Wow. Well,
1: I I posted a video on YouTube where in detail I line out the truth about the Kennedy assassination, but I labeled it. Bad English when I see you smile. Oh,
0: yeah, that'll do it, because you know they ain't even going to bother watching that.
1: Ain't nobody going to check that shit out. I just told you what it is, and still nobody's going to check it out, because it's bad English when I see you smile.
0: (laughs) Well, there you go. Oh, my God. Martin Song's fucking rules. Next one's boogies, too, then, right? Yes, sir. Filler. Not really up to the standards of all that came before. It would be a total, it, it, you know, it reminds me like a total saloon from the Old West songs. But if it wasn't for that driving beat, you know, driving beat kind of takes it away. It, It is a kill it is still a killer track. But just not to the high standards of the songs on this, like the Rover, 10 years gone, and the next one. Uh, well, not the next one, because I thought the next one was a long song. But uh, it is filler though, but you know... I, I don't hate it. I think it's a killer song. It's just, you know, I can't gloat on it as much as everything else. Uh, you know, it, it, it has, it. it, it it's, a, it's a song that flows well with the album and I will not skip it. You know, it's no Trample Underfoot. Like I said, man, that's the only one that really bothers me. This one's cool and everything. But again, it's a song that I don't know. I like, I love Robert's Plants voice on this one. Don't want to do the $39 I love that shit, but, you know, I mean, it does have its, you know, not up to the high standards of, like, you know, 10 years gone and shit like that. What do you think? I think you
1: sound all fucking Mark Eldon Taylor. I fucking hate this song, but God bless it.
0: Yeah, you're right. You're, you're, you are right. I, I don't hate it, though. I, think, I feel it is filler, and it's not, you know, as good. But it's still cool. I think it's, actually, I don't think it's a good song. I think it's a killer song. I, I think
1: it's a great song. This is another one that was a leftover from Led Zeppelin 4. Wow. And uh, they recorded this. It's called Boogie Woogie with Stu because on piano is the incredible Ian Stewart. And for those who do not know, Ian Stewart was basically the sixth member of the Rolling Stones. And uh, was he was pretty much like the leader between him and Brian Jones back in the day. But uh, Ian Stewart was was older than than the rest of the band. He had a very square look. He looked like a cross between Dick Tracy and Morrissey, and he really had like the Morrissey haircut before Morrissey. But he was just such a well-respected pianist, and especially in in like boogie woogie music, like that was his heart and soul. But you know, he could also play the blues. He he could play whatever and anybody who knew him respected him and uh and zeppelin was very honored to play with him and i I believe this didn't end up on zeppelin 4 because he didn't want to do anything away from the rolling stones you know he he saw it as just them having fun and uh and that's why it didn't get released but then they went ahead and put it out anyway later on and just an amazing song. Working title for it was Sloppy Drunk. Uh, but uh, they ended up changing it because there was another, you know, an old blues song called Sloppy Drunk. But a lot of the song is based around the Richie Ballen song, Oh My Head. And if you look on the original writing credits, uh, like on original pressings of Physical Graffiti*, they have, uh, you know, uh, listed as the writers Led Zeppelin, Ian Stewart, and Mrs. Ballins. And they did this because they heard that uh, you know, you know, famously, you know, minority musicians back in the day and musicians period would get ripped off of songwriting royalties and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And they heard that Richie Valens' mother never got any of the money, all this money that La Bamba and Donna and all these songs made, she never saw a penny of it after his death. And they did this as kind of a tribute, like, "Hey, we're gonna throw some money her way." Well, what she do? She turned around, got some lawyers, and they sued Led Zeppelin because <laughs> wow. they wanted the whole credit for the song. And uh, Jim, you know, Jimmy Page was like, "What the fuck, He goes, I I try to help somebody out, and that's what happens, you know. Basically, you know, that's my luck, you know." Yeah. But uh, but uh, I, I I see it just as as important as the instrumental you know as far as like for the flow of the album to have you know just different shades and you know i i think that's what makes this a complete double album is, is having something as off the wall as this i i think it's a beautiful song
0: how do they get, uh, that, how do they get that sound the, you know that that sound that beat where did that come from it sounds weird you know it's not a drum set is it doesn't sound uh, like drums to me. Well, as, as
1: far as credits, I, I mean, it just sounds like it was kind of, you, know, you know, rudely recorded. But you got uh, Jimmy uh, Robert Plant playing acoustic on it, Jimmy Page on a mandolin, uh, John Paul Jones on bass, Bottom on drums, and Ian Stewart on piano. Uh, I think it's just the way they recorded it.
0: Yeah, because it doesn't sound like drums. But right. it's, it's cool. It's infectious. It's a good sounding But, sound, sound but it
1: sounds, sounds like some good foot stomping, you know? Yeah, if you
0: take that element out of the song, it'll sound like a, a, a Bar Saloon song.
1: Right. Love it. But, uh, yeah, I love it too. You
0: want to take the next one? Yeah, the next one is the one that, to me, sounds like a fucking outtake from Zeppelin 3. I mean, well, well I, I wouldn't even say an outtake because it's, it's, it's better than a couple of those songs from uh, Zeppelin 3. Well,
1: One. It, it is
0: an outtake, but not before?
1: for, but not, no, oh. from Houses of the Holy.
0: Interesting. It's got that Zeppelin 3 uh, vibe, but it also has kind of like, you know, you're going to California, um, a Battle of Evermore, you know, type thing. Um, this is a driving acoustic song with many hooks. A great song. That uh, the the, the repetitiveness of the song adds to its charm. I love that. Hey, hey, mama, what's the matter here? And a very important uh, uh, thing to note about Black Country Woman, it proves that I like black people.
1: There you go. You you redeemed yourself. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I I think it's amazing. Uh, Amazing song. And another one that seems to come out of left field. But again, what you need on an album, you know, if you're going to do a double album, man, you know, it can't all sound the same. You got to have light and shade and, you know, different stuff or, you know, it, it, it's basically like you just re-recorded a song. You know, you need all these different flavors and this is a great fucking flavor on this one. Um, the original title for it was uh, Never Ending Doubting Woman Blues and you know a reference to the you know the final spoken part on the song uh absolutely love this one
0: i uh, I, I get a vibe listening to the song it's just like page and plant outside sitting on chairs playing the song because of the beginning of the song where you hear right the, you hear the plane. oh keep it in keep it in
1: right you know, I yeah get that
0: vibe you know
1: yeah rob plant says nah leave it yeah <laughs> uh yeah, no, it, it's, it's awesome. Plant used to do this on his solo tours, and uh, he also did it with Allison Krauss when he did the tour with her for the, the album they recorded. And, uh, man, gr- great, great song.
0: Yeah. All right, now, uh, now we end the album with the last track. That's right. Sick
1: Again. Oh, man. Do I love this fucking song. And... What I love is the way... As much variety as there is on this album... Uh, it kind of starts and ends the same... With a good hard rocker. And I love this tribute to teenage groupies. And uh, Robert Plant, as he calls them, L.A. Queens. And uh, it was all about how he had pity on these girls... That were were so young. <laughs> he was quoted as saying... One minute she's twelve, the next minute she's thirteen and over the top, <laughs> you know. And uh, and uh, what a great uh, ode to those dirty girls that we all love so much. Uh, I think it's brilliant to end the album like this. And uh, there's a, a again a great version of this on the on the live album with the Black Crows with Jimmy Page. Uh, absolutely love this. It was played a lot on the 75 and 77 tours and uh man what a, what a killer track great way to end it what do you think wrath
0: i love this song a lot but i don't understand why this one made the set list where i feel there's a, there's many songs on this album better but uh it's you know it's it's a good song it's a really good song i love this song it's not like you know, I turn it off. But, you know, the same thing with Boogie With Stew. I kind of put them in the same category as, uh, you know, just songs to fill up the album. I feel like if there's any fillers on here, I would pick this one, but shit, it was played live. So, obviously, the band doesn't think that. But, um, you know, I don't really think it's a climactic ending to this album, that what this album deserves. But it's a song I, I, I will play till the end, regardless of... You know, it's warts, as as I would put it. But it's a great song. And, uh, yeah, I am very well aware. This this was played a lot back then. I I think the whole tour, they they kept this in. And it's like, wow, this and not Houses of the Holy or, you know, or uh, Night Flight or, you know, I mean, I just feel there's more songs worthy of uh, being showcased over Sick Again. But at the same time, Sick Again is not a song you hear on the fucking radio. So you, I can give it that. But I, I do love the song. But like I said, man, there's only one song I don't like on this whole fucking thing, which is a great track record for a double album. But uh, Yeah. Well, yeah.
1: And I, I find it funny that uh, you said this is your favorite Zeppelin album, and it's not mine, but I like it more than you.
0: <laughs> you, you. No, no, it's not true. We like it the same. You don't like In the Light, I don't like Trampled Underfoot.
1: Yeah, but you also called other songs filler that I I thought were.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. You you liked, but the song I'm telling you, man, you know what it is? It's unfair for me to say those negative things about the song because I'm comparing them to other songs that I like more. But seriously, let's say if you put this, you know, boogie with Stu on into the outdoor, it'd be like a highlight to me, and sick again as well. So it's just that the company it keeps, it kind of like diminishes it a bit for me but it's not fair for me to judge it on other songs if I judge it on its own Boogie was doing Sick Again and whatever I said of any other song on here with the exception of Trampled Underfoot I think they're all phenomenal songs I love them all
1: well there you go this album was released February 24th 1975 and uh man it's it's considered one of the greatest uh albums of the 70s and led zeppelin's career and just rock in general and uh deservingly so there's so many albums uh especially double albums that man you're like oh this shit didn't need to be a double album i mean we just agreed we love the new metallic album but but probably could have been a much stronger single album yeah Uh, you know, this is this is a perfect example of a, of a a double album that is worthy of, of the title that I think could, you know, you could put there with the White Album and, uh, you know, uh, in my opinion, Tommy or maybe in your opinion, Quadrophenia yeah. or, you know, or, or uh, you know, Exile on Main Street, you know, you know, double albums that 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 truly, uh, you know, you don't want to throw anything away. Right. Uh, it, it's it's. Now, this is something I don't agree with, but uh, it's listed as 16 times platinum. Yeah. But it's actually eight times platinum. I don't like how they they double it because it's a double album. Right. I, I, I don't think that's fair, you know, especially when you see other albums that, like, uh, it can be very misleading to the success. I mean, either way, whether it's eight million or sixteen million, I mean, it's still like a bonafide fucking hit and a classic. But I, I remember seeing, uh, uh, like like Kiss was showing. Uh, they were trying to say how great a uh, one of the Kissologies did, you know. But it only, you know, it really didn't do that great. But because they're counting like four discs. Right. You know, it makes it sound like it's this huge fucking hit when it's really not. But, I mean, that that's really, you know, that's splitting hairs. I mean, it's still 8 million is fucking incredible, even though it's counted as 16 million. Uh, it's a legendary album uh, and, and will always, always be played and always be remembered as as a staple of of classic rock and, and rock in general. And uh, I love it. And it's in between smack dab in between two of my favorites Houses of the Holy Presence uh I love Led Zeppelin even though there was a period I went like I think probably 8 to 10 years without ever listening to Zeppelin Like, like, like personally at home you know just because you know classic rock radio just like killed it to where it wasn't special for me anymore but I mean there's certain uh you know, one of the greatest moments of my life I'll never forget is the first time I heard "Over the Hills and Far Away." I mean, that's just was a life-changing experience. You know, that is burned into my DNA. I, I think I could, you know, come time with come down with Alzheimer's or some shit, you know, and I would still remember that. Right. You know, and uh, it, it's hard to believe that there's such a thing as Zeppelin haters, but they're out there.
0: Alex Marquez.
1: You know, the same way there's people who hate the Beatles. And I I don't get it. I mean, I I believe them when they say it. I just don't trust them. (laughs) You know? Uh, I mean, Led Zeppelin is just once-in-a-lifetime classic music. Just incredible. And And,
0: I uh, I miss miss seeing them by three weeks. Yeah. In Germany. Second to last show they ever played, I could have went.
1: I have a friend who has his ticket from uh, he was supposed to see the uh, in through the outdoor tour in Chicago and he has not
0: framed. You know, you know, and I remember that time because before John Bonham died, I remember they, the the whole like reading it in a magazine. Zeppelin's gonna be playing America, touring America in nineteen eighty. You know, there was talk about it. It was already being planned and some book some shows were already booked and I was like Oh, my God, I hope it comes here, you know?
1: Right. It didn't. But, hey, at least we got the firm.
0: Hey, you know, and I got to tell you, the fucking uh, Plant and Page show I saw was one of the greatest shows I ever saw in my life.
1: Oh, yeah, I, I saw both tours, and, and they were... Well,
0: I didn't, they... I didn't. I saw Walking Back to Clarksdale. Oh, you didn't see the first one? No, oh, it, it didn't It didn't come here, that's why.
1: The, the only thing... Uh, I didn't like about it is, is how they changed up some of the arrangements and supposedly I think that was at the insistence of um uh, of Robert Plant who can notoriously be you know, a fucking bitch.
0: Yeah, but you know, I mean, it's also a lot of uh, has to do with the dedication to his childhood friend John Bonham.
1: Right, no, no, but, but I mean like, you know, he wanted to change it up because he's like, I don't want to play it just how it is because that's not you know, artistic, we need to bring something new to it. No, there's nothing wrong with how it was.
0: Well, I remember and... jo- uh, Robert Plant back in the early solo career. He refused to do any because of John Bonham. Yeah. And and uh, he refused to do Stairway to Heaven because he just felt like that shit just belonged to Zephyr. Well, I also
1: saw a thing where he said... He didn't want to do it because he doesn't like the lyrics. He
0: thinks ah, you're yes, you're right. You're, and I'm like, and, God, that's, those lyrics are awesome.
1: And 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 I thought that was so terrible because I'll never forget, you know, when I saw him. Uh, I believe it was on the first tour, on the No Quarter tour, and Jimmy Page started playing it. And I'm not shitting you, dude. I'm surrounded by grown men with tears in their eyes, you know, just hearing those those first strains of that song, you know, and it's just like. Man, how, how can you not just just do it, man? Just bring some people, you know, joy, you know? Because that's what you do as a musician, you know? You, I mean, yeah, you play music to satisfy yourself, but, I mean, just to know that you have that kind of power that that could, you know, bring that much joy, I think it's a real dickish move and a real selfish move to say something as cheesy as, well, I don't like the lyrics.
0: Well, you know? I look at it this way. If you're gonna perform it live, then play what the people want. If you don't want to perform it live, then stay home. Yeah, and, and don't tour, so, because the all the whole concept of going out and playing live is to bring it to the people, and the people want to hear Stairway to Heaven, so fucking play it.
1: I agree. You know, if not,
0: if you're not gonna play, it, stay home. You know, I mean, not that I'm, I, I'm, I'm not complaining, because I, I, man, to see them play Tangerine was like, oh, my God, you know? and
1: The
0: Watson oh, yeah. song. and uh, Oh, my God. Just, the, you know, they played so many songs that were, like, my favorite Zeppelin tracks that I didn't leave there going, fuck, they didn't play to Heaven. But I'm not complaining they didn't play Stairwood Heaven, but what I do complain about is, you know, comp- uh, like, saying, ah, I don't want to play that, you know? Like, oh, oh I want to do it for me, which I feel is a little, you know, I'm, you know... I'm not, like, you know, there's a couple Thrasher die songs that I, I wouldn't mind not playing anymore, but I know people want to hear No Pose Aloud and shit like that. You know, and, yeah. I, and I, but let me tell you something. The fact that people want to hear No Pose Aloud, every time I perform that song live, I am so into it. Because of the reaction it gets.
1: Right, and, and you know, I, I remember seeing a quote, and I can't stand the fucking song but Joe Elliot made a comment about you know, how he'll always have to play Pour Some Sugar On Me and he's like, you know, do I get sick of that song? He's like, you fucking ain't right I do he goes, but I wouldn't have this career, you know, I wouldn't have this money, I wouldn't be able to play if, you know, people didn't love that song so much and so, I, I gotta go out there every time and play it with all the heart and soul I can to make them happy and and
0: you know, and I, I I think he's right, you know. I, I think yeah, it, it, he is right. But I mean, I I but to me, dude, I don't know. I mean, I think it's a little selfish uh, to write a song that you loved when you wrote it. And you know, I may be like I said, "No Pull the Line" is a great example because there, that's a song that I performed. Basically, I I think there was one show I didn't perform, but. Every show, there's always people yelling for that song, and when I start playing, I see people headbanging and getting into it. Dude, I get ch- such a charge that I love performing it live. You know what I mean? But you know, it, it, in in my repertoire, you know, I I like I'd rather do other songs. I'd rather people be headbanging to other songs I've done and yell out other songs, but. But, you know, the honor of people, like, wanting to hear something I created with, you know, a bunch of other guys. It, dude, I, I don't think, I, and believe me, I think I've played it enough. I've been doing it for nine years now that I, I know, I know it, I would be like, you know, oh, I got to do this shit again. That I don't think I'm ever going to feel this way because, you know, just think about it. Like, you know, Aerosmith, dude, everything, I every time I see Aerosmith do fucking Dream On, it's like they are so into it, you know? And, hey. and I think it's also the, the, the crowd. It, it really does it for me, you know?
1: You think I always want to play on the fucking dark side? Yeah, it's worse for you because you don't write it, you know? You don't, right.
0: you, don't right. get that, you don't get that charge, you know? But, you know, it's just the whole charge that people like what you get.
1: All right. Well, enough about me.
0: Yeah.
1: All right. Well, uh... Ralph, uh, anything you want to say in closing on this album?
0: Well, I did my research as well as you, so um, uh, I'm a little drunk, though. Do you have your notes there? I don't. Yeah. Yeah, what do you want? Oh, Physical Graffiti is the sixth studio album by the English rock band Led Zeppelin. Released as a double album on the 24th of February, 1975 by their newly founded imprint label Swamp Song Records. Yeah, this is the first one to come out on Swamp Song. Yes. And
1: uh, this, that, and the other thing. Alrighty. Well, we hope you enjoyed I know this is, uh, this is an episode that's been requested for a long time, so I hope all the fans enjoyed what we had to say on this incredible album. I know I did. And, uh, Ralph, do you have a pick of the week? I sure do. All right, what you got?
0: Uh, I bought, it's a DVD, or a Blu-ray, I mean. Um, the new Rush. It's brand new. It's called, oh, I want to see
1: that. I haven't seen it yet. It's
0: called uh, Time, Time. It Still. Yep. And let me tell you something, man. That, what was it, Beyond the of Stage, whatever? Yeah, yep. W- what a great documentary that was. And as far as I know, you know, because it's a brand new release and I see people online saying, well, it's not as good as Beyond the of Stage. I think it's better because it's different. It's a different twist to uh Documentary number one, it's not what you would think. You know, I thought buying this it was a documentary of the tour, but no, it's also a documentary of the band because they do go through the history, they talk about the early days. You know, not as much as Beyond the Light of but what makes this shit unique was you know, they had like they interviewed people that were part of the fan club, the part that had conventions. And uh, you know and what Rush means to them what it means to the roadies what it means to the band members and it was just so emotional by by the time it ended I was fucking crying man I really was I mean not crying like a lot but man I got chills and there were tears how the people were reacting uh, to the last show during the last song during the encore you know there there's footage of the show being over, and people already left the hall, and there's still a few people standing there crying. And it really did hit home, and I think it was so well done. So incredibly well done, and very, you know, uh, behind-the-scenes, uh, you know, footage that really did hit home. And I gotta say, as much as I love Beyond the Light Stage, which I give a 10, I give this one a 11. I thought it was a little better. You know, ah. I really love it. It was one of the greatest... Documentaries, I gave. and and I loved it because it was different. It took a different take, where it wasn't just about you know me, 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 me. It was like it's more about us, you know, the right. Rush fan and the and the band, and it really was well made. And uh, yeah, I highly recommend it. I think it's fucking phenomenal, very well made documentary. Um, I'm not too keen on the extras. The extras was just footage of them during the presto tour and they had a lot oh. of presto songs
1: oh I would like that though.
0: yeah yeah exactly but uh, other than that you know everything else is great I would have preferred more you know band interviews and shit like that but I whatever, you know and yeah they do play full songs during the documentary it's not just like little clips of them playing them back to talking so you did get like a couple full songs not a lot but I think it was extremely well made. Oh, one complaint that you and I have about the thing. They show like a breakdown, like five shows left. And you know, it's like there's one part it's like 20 shows left and it shows where they're playing. And then, you know, and then all of a sudden it's like 13 shows left. They leave out a bunch of places. And New Orleans, uh, New Orleans is one of the ones they left. Uh, yeah, man, unfortunately.
1: Uh, well, I mean, hey, we were there you know so we'll always have that
0: and, yeah it would have know. been nice if they would have said something because they yeah. were they were some some of those places they played they would talk about all right tonight we're playing so-and-so place and they would talk about the place and it was unfortunate that New Orleans wasn't brought up
1: yeah and, and I'm surprised because that was one of the shows uh that Neil Peart brought out his daughter yeah uh, to, to see New Orleans so yeah I'm surprised it's too bad but Uh, You know, it's not going to diminish that night, you know. Well, Uh, maybe uh, that's
0: part of the reason they didn't show it, because there's no footage of his kids in the whole documentary. Right. Because they wanted to keep that out.
1: Yeah, and you can see him being very personal like that, so.
0: Right.
1: Uh, But I will definitely, definitely be checking that out.
0: And that song, The Garden, man. Yeah. Oh, my God, man. What a way to end a career with that song. Yeah. It's such a heartfelt... You know song about life, you know, it's so great. You know, what a genius that man is! He is such an underrated lyricist, man. Love him. That's my pick I, of the week. Awesome. Uh, well, my pick
1: of the week is an album, and I think I, I might even have made this a pick of the week before. And if not, uh, hey, and if I did, oh well. And it's one we talked about a lot. Uh, well, I talked a lot. About during this uh, review is Jimmy Page and the Black Crows live at the Greek Uh and uh, it's one of those even excuse me if you don't like uh, the Black Crows I would recommend it if you are a fan of uh, of Led Zeppelin and it's not uh, it's not all Zeppelin there are no Black Crow songs Uh, Ralph would like that uh, because the record company wouldn't allow them on it they did do Black Crow songs on the tour but it, it's mostly uh, Led Zeppelin and a lot of songs off Physical Graffiti. And uh, there's also some old blues standards. They also do Oh Well, that was you know made famous by uh, Fleetwood Mac. Uh, it's a really, really good album. And, and to hear those songs live with three exceptional guitar players, uh, you know, doing it justice is really fucking neat. And also, I want to give a big shout out to the drummer Steve Gorman who is an incredible drummer in his his own right, but he does these songs justice because it would be real easy to overplay them. You know, to be like, oh, I gotta be John Bonham. And he just plays the songs you know, faithfully and I mean, they're good loud drums, but it's like he doesn't try to do this super duper shit. He just serves the song. And I really think that's what what John Bonham did. You know, John Bonham didn't go out there and try to beat John Bonham. He just did what his interpretation was to do the songs justice. And that's, I think the greatness of him. He just had that fucking natural talent. And, uh, it's an incredible live album. I also believe there's a DVD, um, uh, of it, but I've, I've never seen it. So I, I can't comment on that, but the live album itself is a double album. And, uh, Definitely recommend checking that out.
0: Well, I will. You know, all you talk about it, and they're doing all these songs. and See Page perform these songs I've never seen him perform. I am interested to
1: hear this. All right. Well, I'll get uh, I'll get Mr. X on that. All right. Cool. All right. All right. Alrighty. Uh, fan of the week. Man, I had to pick three fan of the weeks today, so I was a little bit, uh, uh, you know, I'm drunk. So I'm making a fan of the week on the spot right now. And I'm hoping he listens to this episode, and I don't know if he will. But Alex Marquez. Yeah. Wiggy, wiggy. Wiggy, wiggy, wiggy. I love you, brother. You are a fucking beast on the drums. And I hope that Ralph can talk you into to listen to this drum yeah. episode. And just maybe just maybe say you know what fuck it let me give that little zeppelin band one more shot
0: it's not gonna happen you know why because his girlfriend is like the biggest zeppelin fan he drives him nuts and he doesn't like hearing about him anymore you know but whatever you know he's, he's my he's my brother i love him all right well then terrence reardon you
1: are our fan of the week uh, <laughs> there you go <laughs> all right fuck it i give up let's go to the plugs listen to the rock show with gully and joe go to
0: all the w's gully g-u-l-l-y a-n-d-j-o-a dot uk 8 p.m uk time 3 p.m eastern the rock show with gully and joe listen to it don't be a cunt ear pillar the podcasting and interview news site to keep up with your favorite bands or artists and the podcasts or interviews where they appear go to earpealer.com to find out what we're all about you haven't listened to Mars Attacks podcast? What are you waiting for, man? Host Victor M. Ruiz brings you all types of hard rock and metal-based podcasts. You'll find everything from music-based episodes, interviews, to series such as ultra-sexy classic album series, where some of your favorite musicians, producers, journalists, and show hosts comments on the albums that push the evolutionary chains of hard rock and metal. Get with it and go to marsattacksradio.com to find out more. All right, KISS Army, since 2007, you've been getting Podkissed,
1: the KISS audio fanzine for your ears. That's right, it's your Podkissed. Every month, the Podkiss crew, along with the KISS room, brings you KISS talk like no one else, whether it be roundtables, interviews with the band past and present, analysis, and
0: great KISS fun. Hi, this is Jace Paraly, and you're listening to Pod-Kissed. Hi, this is Bruce Kulick, and you're listening to PodKiss. The PodKiss, the KISS audio fanzine for your ears.
1: Hey, everybody, I'm Aaron. And I'm Chris. And we're from the Decibel Geek Podcast. And if you love this...
0: And you'll love us.
1: That's right. Brand new episode every single Monday. You can find us on iTunes and at DecibelGeek.com. And the best thing is, it's rock and roll and it's always free.
0: Music's most diverse podcast starring Luke Innes, Greg Simp Bootlegs, and Mr. T from Germany. New episodes
1: released every Saturday on Podbean. Podcast addicts and iTunes. The True Alternative
0: Podcast. Have you developed paralysis from trying to choose a movie on Netflix? Of course you have. There's too much garbage on Netflix to sift through. So join us on our podcast, We Watched It For You. We watch a bad movie every week and try to determine its watchability. We Watched It For You is for bad movie fans, B-movie fans, underground film fans, and cult movie fanatics alike. Don't miss an episode of We Watched It For You, a guide to the lesser-known movies of Netflix, available on iTunes or wherever you download your podcast.
1: All right. Well, if you enjoyed this episode... And we know you did, as much as we've enjoyed doing it ourselves, getting fucked up. Yeah. Come, come back next week, when our special guest is Thrasher Die Solstice drummer extraordinaire Alex Marquez, and he tells us why he hates Led Zeppelin blowjobs and other things that are universally loved by all people. <laughs> It's going to be a hate-filled episode that will make no sense. Wiggy, 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 wiggy. Wiggy, 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 wiggy. Hey, bro, I got you next Friday, bro. Hey, bro. (laughs) That's next week on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast.